Hey everyone, today on So What Else, we have Retha Nicole. Retha is amazing. She is a business coach, a life coach, the creator of Sunday Planning, and we get into all of that. But mostly today, she shares her story of what she walked through several years ago. Um, It's a really crazy story. Basically, um, her new husband, they were only married for a few months, had a sickle cell crisis that ended in him slipping into a coma. She brings us through the whole ordeal. There's so much to it. I can't even possibly explain. Um, At certain points in the interview, my jaw was literally on the ground. I mean, the things that she went through with him, it's crazy. You definitely don't want to miss it. Uh, The way that the Lord uh, transformed her through her story is absolutely incredible. So stay tuned. Aretha, welcome to So What Else. Thanks so much for doing this. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm really honored to be here. Great. So I was just telling you before, you know, we hit record that I've known your story for a lot of years and I follow you on social media and stuff like that. But for people who don't know you, can you give us like a 30 second, one minute, just kind of intro? Like, who are you? Yeah. So I am Aretha Nicole. Um, mom to three boys. We are deep in teenager zone. We have a 17 year old, a 15 year old, and then, uh, we have an eight year old and, um, I am a certified small business and life coach. I coach in both areas and got certified in both because I realized early on that, um, when my client's personal life is a mess or a bit hitting the road, hitting a block, um, I wanted to be able to help them. And so I do both. I just launched a um, line of paper products. I'm sure that's probably not what it's called. But listen, I don't know. I'm not fancy. But (laughs) I have journals and notebooks and notepads. And um, I created this thing called Sunday Planning that um, I've just made. I've pushed and pushed to make it a big thing. I'd like for everyone to do it. and um, I'm remarried. And so we're going to go backwards. Yes. Before we go forward. So I'll tell you now that I am remarried. Um, and that's what I do every day. I love it. I love what I get to do. And the purpose of the planners and such is for me to help more people. Not everyone can um, have a coach mm-hmm. and have someone personally or professionally in their life. And so um, that's my way to do it for everyone. I love that. I mean, you are speaking my language. Like I'm in Enneagram one, like I'm such a planner. Like I think that if somebody asked my husband, like what's one word to describe your wife? Like he'd be like, she's a planner. (laughs) And he's so not like, we are those people, like those memes you see that are like, there's two types of people. Like the first one that packs like 10 days before a vacation and the other one who packs two seconds before you're supposed to leave for the airport. Yeah, and those yeah. two people marry each other. Like that's us yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. in a nutshell. So I am obsessed with planners. Like I love all that. I want to hear all about Sunday planning, all the ins and right. outs of it. We'll get to that. All right. So I want to hear about your story a little first and then we'll get to Sunday planning. But yeah, yeah. so you mentioned that you are remarried. So let's back it up. Start at the beginning. I would love to hear you tell us about your first husband, Darius. Yeah. So um, 
So first of all, Darius, listen, people, buckle up. Cause <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. This is a lot. We're going to come at you fast with this. So first of all, yes. Darius was my second husband. Oh, second. Listen I'm sorry. That. Yes. So the, um, I refer to my older boys as the bigs. If you follow me on um, social, you know that I have the bigs and the little. Mm-hmm. So the bigs father and I got married young and, um, and it just didn't work out. Um, and so we got divorced when the bigs were three and five. Okay. And, um, and I had a great career in real estate then and it was doing really well. And so my friends were like, listen, you probably should date. Like you're going to be like the lady with cats. These kids are going <laughs> to leave you. And so you probably should date. And so, um, and so I did, well, not initially after a lot of prodding, um, my one girlfriend, um, who now lives in Miami, uh, said eHarmony, let's do it. Let's do it. It took two hours. Listen, that's not an easy process. Oh my, that's how long the thing takes to fill out your profile? Yeah, it takes a lot. They want to know every single thing about you, how you react to things and all of that. And so what I, wow. listen, here's a fun fact, what I'll say yeah. is those people on the harmony men that are deceitful, listen, they are more deceitful than you think because that is not an easy process. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just that's, a You're right. Y'all. Like that takes like a lot of effort because it probably, look, I don't know, but I imagine it doesn't take a ton of effort to be deceitful on like one of just like the swipe right, swipe left. No, but you're writing like paragraphs. But like on you're eHarmony or Match, stories. yeah, like that's yeah. a whole thing. Like if you're going to go through the effort of like two hours of a profile. Yes. What are we doing? Right. Yeah. So we met on eHarmony and, um, and we dated uh, for a year and a half. And then um, at the year and a half mark, I moved to um, the city that he lived in and was he was born and raised. Um, and so moved there with the bigs um, and moved there January. We got married July and um, had a house built and we had the house, we're building the house during the process. Mm-hmm. So we got married early July, moved into the newly built house, July 23rd, and um, began to live our life. September 27th um, is when everything changed. September 27, 2012 is when everything changed. So um, Darius has had sickle cell mm-hmm. and um, he was having a crisis and was in the hospital. Can I stop you for one second? If someone yeah. doesn't know what that is, can you give us like a quick, like what is sickle cell? Oh yeah. So sickle cell is a um, blood disease. And like as plain as I can tell it is your blood cells, you know, are typically round. And with sickle cell patients, they turn into like an S shape, like a S shape. Mm. Um, which is like a sickle shape is what they call it, mm-hmm. but it kind of mirrors like an S. And so because your veins are round and meant for round things to go through it, it is extremely painful for that blood to then go through that roundness. And so they tend to have um, a lot of pain mm-hmm. when they're in crisis. And 
um, and sometimes lose blood and need transfusions and the whole thing. Okay. Um, so that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and so um, he had sickle cell. And I don't know if I've ever said this anywhere. I have the trait. Okay. Um, so it is, it pretty much happens. Majority of the people are African-American. Okay. Black people. Um, and majority of the men have full on disease and then women, um, will have the trait. So my mother has nothing and my biological father has the disease. And so then I have the trait. Okay. Now, if y'all are listening, I went through that whole thing because that's going to be important here in a second. Okay. Yeah. So he has the full disease. So he has a crisis, um, on the 25th. And, um, so we go to the hospital because when he's in a crisis, then he needs, um, something to help with the pain and to stay overly hydrated. So that's usually an IV pain meds. And then we need to always be checking the levels to see if he'll need blood. Um, so do that 25th stays overnight, the 26th and, um, on the 27th, I arrive at the hospital after dropping the bigs off at school, mm-hmm. just to catch you all up, I am five months pregnant oh, right. when at this point. So I arrive at the hospital. His mom is there. Um, and so I say good morning to them both. And um, she kind of gives me the rundown of what has happened mm-hmm. at night, which he's had a great night. Everything's fine. And then he says, Tammy, who's been the nurse mm-hmm. for the two days. Uh, Tammy's our nurse and she's getting ready to leave. She's going to give a report. They're going to do the shift change and then I'll be discharged. Great. So I said, okay, sounds good. So he says, um, all right, I'm going to go to sleep until all that happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I go get a chair that's in the room, you know, and I sit at the foot of the bed. Um, and I have my laptop because um, at this point we are um, working on opening a bakery for me. Mm. So I go and I get my laptop and I'm going to work on some of that. And um, and then I don't think anything happened before then. He's snoring, which he does. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just working. And then the snoring stops and I hear he's not breathing. Mm. Like I just hear that. And so I get up, his mom asleep in the um, chair of the lazy boy type chair. Yeah. And so I get up and I go over to him and, um, and he's not, I mean, he looks like he is breathing. Um, and so I'm just like, oh, that was weird. Yeah. I've never heard a voice in my life up until this point. And so I was like, Oh, that's weird. I'm really pregnant. This is really wild. So you felt like you heard like an audible voice that was like, he's not, he's not breathing. Mm-hmm. So you got up and checked him and you're like, no, I think he's fine. That was weird. <sighs> that was weird. Okay. And so I do a half turn to go back to sit down and then I hear, and I turn back around and that was it. <sighs> and so I scream and, um, I scream and I yell and um, I'm screaming help. And um, 
they're there pretty quick. I mean, like they're on the money. Yeah, they yeah. are there pretty quick. Um, and they're yelling all these code blues and, um, and they're in there. And then they, of course, uh, so many people come in there and they push me out into the hall. And I just knew that it was bad. I mean, I just instantly, um, I can't breathe. And um, I'm calling my mother and I'm making no words, screaming into the phone at her. And um, she, we always say this, which is funny because she hangs up like every time she hangs up, she's like, I can't understand you. This is going to drive me crazy. So you call your mom from the hospital, you're screaming and she just hangs up on you. I'm screaming. And she's like, you got to slow down. I can't understand. you got to slow down. And I don't. And so she just hangs up. I call her back and I do the same thing. And she just hangs up. Then my dad calls. Um, Because all my life, typically he's better. Like he'll just kind of. In a crisis. Yeah. And, um, And so my dad calls. And so he just says, we're on our way. Um, and so later, you know, my mom is like, your dad comes in and he says, we got to go. Yeah. Someone's dying. That's all I got. Right. And, oh my gosh. and so, uh, and so we, they do all of that and, and they, um, do the electrical shock thing. <sighs> and, um, and then the whole room erupts in cheers and they are so excited that they brought him back. And then all of a sudden, all I heard was, holy S-H-I-T, because he went down again. He crashed again. And so you're watching all of this. Like, they're in there. They're working on him. They're shocking him. Like and I'm standing in the door. Uh, and um, and so he crashes again. And, um, and then they get him back up. So he gets back up. I mean, they get him back up enough to go to ICU okay. and we go to ICU and that's where we live for, um, from September 27th to, um, December the 5th. Whoa. Okay. And we stay there every day and, um, and he's, he's just in a coma is what they tell me. Okay. Um, and they, a neurologist comes in on the 28th of September mm-hmm. And he says, if we get past day three, it's going to be a long road. But I'm going to tell you, I don't think we're going to get past day three. And I punch him. No. Um, because I'm pregnant <laughs> and I'm newly married. <sighs> and I have two other kids. And oh. how could my life fall apart in this second? And oh I don't think you understand is what I was yelling at him. And I said, you're so cold and you're so mean. And um, because he was just like, so I think you should begin to plan the service. Like, oh my gosh, it was so cold. And so I just like punched him in the jaw (sighs) and, um, and he took it. I mean, he didn't do anything. And, and then I just fall on the floor and I'm just crying my eyes out. My parents are there at this point. Um, cause this is the next day and, yeah. um, and it just was really devastating and they did not, um, a lot of people always ask, so I'm sure you're listening going, how did this happen? What happened? No one ever knows. Um, we are nine years removed and n- there was never a resolve for this. Um, it wasn't the sickle cell cause that's, you know, it just doesn't, 
happen that way. And so, so it, we don't know, but we stayed that way. So it's not, this is not like a typical thing that happens to people with sickle cell to like slip into a coma no. to stop. Re- no. So they really have no idea because he was doing fine. Like they were going to discharge him that day. He was fine. There was no reason to think. Yeah. And then yeah, he just. I was waiting on Tammy to discharge us. It's what we were told. And he, he talked to you that morning, told you the whole thing about the nurse. And then he yeah. took a nap. Guess who our nurse is? It's Tammy. She's going to discharge us when they do shift change. I said, okay. He said, well, I'm going to take a nap. Okay. And that was it. That was his last thing he said to me ever was, I'm going to close my eyes and take a nap. So, all right. So the, back it up a little. So you, they're working on him. They're shocking him. They get him back up. He crashes. They get him back up. And then he stabilizes enough to go to the ICU, but he's never like conscious. No. So, and then at what point does someone just tell you like, okay, he's in a coma? Like, did you know what was going on the whole time? You know, I don't know if there, anyone ever said that because what happens next is he goes to ICU and I have to sit in the waiting room Oy. for two hours. Uh literally two hours, maybe more, but I remember two hours. Um, and I sit in that waiting room and just silently cry, mm. just sitting there with his mother. And we're both just silent tears dropping because we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. Um, but Tammy did say, I'm going to be in there the whole time. I'll go in there. Um, and I, um, but you can't go in. We got to get him totally stabilized. Um, and then you can come in. And so, yeah, I wait two hours and, um, and I go in and when I go in, I, it was like nothing I've ever seen on a ventilator. Um, and it's so many machines in there and he looked different and, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And then the doctor tells you like, he's probably not going to make it, you know? Well, he tells me that the next day. Okay. So he, uh, that's all I remember from that day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I remember from that day. Still all this time later, that's all I recall from that day was my last memory is just walking in going, <laughs> <sighs> Oh my gosh, what? Yeah. Right? Um, And I just laid on him and cried. And I don't remember anything past that for that day. The next day, um, I remember my parents being there Mm -hmm. then and his mom left Mm -hmm. and went home. It had been rough for her. She was, she's older. Yeah. Um, And, um, and then it was a flurry of specialists. Yeah. Um, and so the neurologist was the most important. It was who we waited all day to see. Right. And um, and he rocked my world. <sighs> and he was just, he was horrible. And so the thing about him is that I did see him like um, in November mm-hmm. in the cafeteria. And, um, and he was getting his lunch. And I said, um, I walked up to him and I said, do you remember me? And he said, how could I forget? And I said, listen, let me tell you something. I want you to be different. Mm. 
I want you to be understanding. I want you to know that if you've been doing this long enough that you would tell a pregnant woman to start planning the funeral for her 33-year-old husband, you've been doing this for too long and it's time for you to get out. Yes. And you, I think you think that the situation hurt me, but you hurt me. You weren't gentle, you weren't kind, you weren't gracious. And I really, that's what I want you to remember. And, um, And he said, okay. And then I saw him again in December in the hall and I wasn't going to say anything to him. And he said, I've been thinking a lot about what you said and I want you to know I'm going to change. And I thought, great. I think that's amazing. Honestly, like you don't know how many people like future patients of his, you probably helped, you know, because like bedside manner is so important. You know, my mom right now, um, has brain cancer. So we've been, you know, through a lot of stuff with her and, you know, talking to a lot of different medical professionals, you know, oncologists, neurologists, blah, blah, blah. And it's like one of her doctors in particular, like his bedside manner is so amazing, so amazing that it changes the whole vibe, the whole feeling. Whereas early, early on, I had been on the phone with a few people that were working on her and I was just like brought to tears by their, like their, they, some can be so short with you and just so matter of fact. And you're like, you don't understand like the information that you're relaying to me and the way that you're relaying it is totally rocking my world right now. You know what I mean? And if someone can, speak like bad news to you in kindness and with comfort, it, it definitely lands differently, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, I am a, I'm a coach by day. And if you know me or have followed me or my clients have said things, I'm not, I don't put sugar on it at all. They know that I'm, I'm hard. I, I want, but, but that's because I want the best. And you're not dying. Right. And hundred percent. We're not curing cancer. And yes, you know, like, so it's different. And I believe in the facts. I want the facts. I just want them delivered in a way that they are digestible. Yes. Because in that moment, I do want the facts. Mm-hmm. But if you deliver them in such a way that I can't digest it then I didn't get it anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yes. And so that was my point to him is that you're in the business of life or death. So act like it. Totally. Don't in that it's just your job because it is, but you are, someone's life is forever changed by what you say and how you say it. And that's what I wanted him to get. That's awesome. And, you know, praise God he got it. Totally. You know, that's, that's the hope. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So, so he tells you, you know, initially, like the second day after he slips into the coma, you're told he's probably not going to make it more than three days. But he did. He did make it more than three days. And he was in the ICU for, you said, several months. So tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, so he did make it past three days. But, I mean, it was just... <laughs> 
it, it was nothing. And, you know, I, I guess he thought that his organs would shut down in three days and that was what would happen. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so we stayed there in the hospital um, and I did the home. I didn't leave for two weeks, but after two weeks, my mother was like, hey, listen, you have two kids yeah. and you got to figure out how to live for them. Um, so, you know, let's begin to walk through that. Mm -hmm. Um, who was with your kids all that time? So at that time, um, the first two weeks, my nanny stayed the entire time. Um, she did not leave. We lived a very good life, Mm -hmm. um, which we will talk about, (laughs) but yeah, we lived a very good life. So she stayed the entire time. She was just as devastated. Mm. Um, and so she did. Okay. But my mother, um, rightfully so, yeah, was like, uh, first of all, you need a full bath. Like, yeah. stop taking a shower in the sink. Mm-hmm. And um, and second, uh, they need you. So we got to find some strength. We got to find some love because you still got to be a mom. Yeah. And so... Uh, then I would do the hospital, um, kids go to school, mm-hmm. hospital, kids come home from school. I'm there for dinner. Mm-hmm. They go to bed. I go back. Then I go back to be there when they wake up. Oh. So I did that. And you're doing until, that and you're like five, six months pregnant. Yeah, I did that pregnant, which uh, the pregnancy became a bit of a struggle. I'm sure. Um, because I became um, really sick. Mm-hmm. And we already knew that there was a chance uh, for early labor because that happened with my second. And okay. so we ended up with my second having to take this medicine that will um, stop you from having contractions. Mm-hmm. So with my third, um, went to the doctor and she she suggested that, but she said, um, oh, and with my second, I, I, did, I had to go on bed rest. Oh. And so- with my third, that's where they were. They were like, so we're going to have to do bed rest uh, again. And I was just like, yeah, so that ain't happening. Yeah, like, right. I got to be able to do what I can do. And so uh, the hospital was very gracious and they put an additional bed uh, in there. And so I would just, you know, I try my best to be in bed the entire time I was there. Mm-hmm. And then I would um, go home. But, you know, I, I don't know. I did what I could. That's so crazy. <laughs> that was really rough. I mean, that pregnancy added another layer of uh, difficulty to to it because when we got down to uh, November, it be- got it got really rough. I'm sure, it got really rough from on the pregnancy side, and I, you know, I just attribute it to God because it was it was tough. Yeah. All right. So after he was in the hospital for a few weeks and didn't you like realize at some point you're like, oh my gosh, like I never called his boss. Like I didn't. Yeah. After about two weeks, Mm -hmm. I, um, I'm coming out of the fall. Yeah. You know, I'm getting a little bit better. And so I go, well, I don't think his job knows that he's here and what's happening. So, you know, they put all your belongings in that hospital bag thing. And so 
I dig in there and this phone's dead and I turn it on and I charge it. And I wait for it to go through all of the dings Mm -hmm. and whistles and all of that. And then I pick it up and I call Rob and I tell him and, um, and he had heard some stuff, but he didn't fully know. And so then we go through all of that and he's just like, whatever you need. And so I tell him, so that was it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then my world broke again. Cause I then read his phone like a novel and um, he was having four affairs. Oh. And so they're all checking in, wondering where he is. Oh my gosh. And um, God, I, that was horrible. So you, how long were you guys married at this point? Oh, two months. Oh my, okay. So you are a newlywed. Yeah. You are very pregnant, having a, a difficult pregnancy. You have two kids at home. Your husband has a sickle cell crisis, which then whatever, something happens, a mystery, he slips into a coma. And a, a few weeks into this coma, you're in the hospital with him. You go through his phone and you realize he's having four affairs. Yeah. And so here's what I'll say about that. These affairs are, (laughs) these are full on freaking relationships that he never ended. Um, as we dated, got engaged, got married because we're two months married, but we're two years together. Right. Uh, Yeah. Which I mean, you know, hindsight is quick, I guess, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm never a person who goes like, how long did you date? And was that long enough for any of that? Right. I, mean, I don't think it would have mattered how long we dated. He never ended any of these relationships. Of course. And they were all long distance. <sighs> so rewind back to me saying that if you spend a lot of time making an eHarmony profile, then you're just, can we say you're a bad person? Because Ye- we want to say you're a bad person. Yeah. So yeah, he, um, so it's so much. Uh. Um did you call so these? With, like, what did you do? Like, I would immediately call them. Like, what did you do? So, no, I didn't call him. That's not going to end well. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, I'm reading it like a novel, but it is really my life. And yeah. I, I have so much going on. Like, the layers to this thing are unreal. I, you know, I have my own kids. Yeah. I, I'm quasi retired. Like I, I had finished my career in real estate, moved here and we didn't need two incomes. I was going to start a bakery. Like there's so much of that. And, and now here you are here and now I'm reading this. And so one girl is um, a girl that he works with and she was at our wedding shower (gasps) and she knows about me. And then um, he had two kids prior. And so the other is his children's mother. So she knows about me and oh. here. Um, and then the other two had no knowledge of me at all. Um, uh, they were long distance, but, um, you know, if it could go any darker, one of them, we, um, had a whole big wedding in Vegas and, flew our friends and family out there and, and we got married at the Bellagio and it was a 
whole big thing. And one of those women lived in Vegas. And so they had a whole weekend together. Every time he wasn't with me, he was with her. And, um, and, uh, they had a whole sex capades, um, the night before we got married and it was just all in the phone. It was, it was a great time for them. Oh my God. The weekend of your wedding. Mm-hmm. He was with her. That guy did a lot of stuff with my friends, yeah. and he we did a lot of stuff together, all of our friends, and then we did a lot of stuff separate. And so the night before, we did the whole stupid thing. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, we'll be separate, and so we were. And they partied, and he spent the night with her, and we had a great time. And I never saw him until the next day, walking down the aisle, and he had been with her all day and all night. I don't even know what to say. That's insane. And so her, I did talk to her um, because she called one day and I told her and she was just like, okay. What? And I never, she was just like done and done. She was like, it didn't hurt. Like she didn't say it didn't matter to her, but she was just like, oh, I could see that. What? And then this other girl was extremely difficult to go through because they had like, they had a full relationship. Like he had gone to see her twice and she moved um, to another city for him. And there was once um, when we were in this city, Mm. he was too. And um, we were there just on a weekend trip, but she was there finding the place that they are going to live together. And so she's sending him like links um, of places like, yeah, links and pictures of, do you like this place? Do you like that place? And um, he voted on them and they chose one and stop. um, And he paid for it. He sent her the money for it. And, um, and she had a daughter and um, on one of their trips together, they took family photos and no, uh, And so she was, she called and I thought I would tell her just like I told Vegas, right? So it'd be easy. No, no. She was devastated. First, she didn't believe me. Then she was devastated. Then she was mean. Then she was devastated again. And then she accepted it. Like those are all the levels I had to go through with her from like, the unbelief yeah. and she didn't believe. And then she called the hospital and they, of course, transfer the call to the room of which I answered. Yeah. And she wanted them to give her information and she pretended to be a family member to get information, oh, which they didn't give. And then it was a whole big thing in the hospital. Like this lady keeps calling and then um, she just poured her heart out to me of how, devastating this was and and I listened and gave advice and my girlfriends were like are you insane and I listen you don't know and and she can't tell her friends this so she needs a person and her mom died six months ago because he paid for the freaking funeral so like I've read all of this I know and so it just, that was hard. Um, 
my jaw is on the floor. I mean, <laughs> the fat. Okay. So it's like, then you are there basically being a support person for one of your husband's mistresses. And you're like yeah. helping her through this hard time. Yeah. And then I just said, Hey, listen, at the end, like by the third day, yeah. I was just like, I can't be your person. Like, you know, now yeah, we have been through it all. Like you have seen our marriage license online. Right. Like we have been through it all. I can't be your person. I'm so sorry that this is happening to you, but I got like, I'm here yeah. with a comatose husband. Like, you know, oh. that was after five days. And so she was, um, that was hard. And then the girl who worked with him, um, I left the hospital, uh, one day to go shower. His mom was there. And so I'd leave mm -hmm. and I'd get home and I'd call. Right. Um, and so I called and I said, anything happened? Um, and cause I was always so nervous mm -hmm. that the minute I left, you know, he'd wake up or something would happen. So anyway, so I call and she says, he, no, he's fine. Nothing happened. His friend stopped by and I said, huh, who? Not interesting. Yeah. I'd love to talk to her. And so she was like, okay. And so his mom hands her the phone and I said, Hey, listen, you got to leave. Yeah. You are never allowed to come back there. You're not a good person. You're not a good human. Yeah. And you're not hurting. You are not hurting. You knew you were a mistress. Yeah. You knew me. You bought us a wedding gift. Like, you're not a good person. Get out of there. Yeah. I don't care what you tell his mom. You leave now. I'm going to call back in five minutes. And if you're still there, I'm calling security. Good for you. And so, um, so she left. Oh my God. Now, did you, did his mom know? Like, did you tell people? So no. So that was a big deal because, um, so just to give context to people about um, my life, I, I went through a phase where I would say, um, when I talk about my story, I would say I lived a good life, no Jesus. Mm. So I grew up in church and, and um, I did young life and all of that and college and all, all of that. Mm -hmm. And then I just did life. I, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't a bad person, um, but I just did life. And so um, I think that when you have a foundation of Christ and you've given your life to him, mm -hmm. that if your foundation is solid, it's always there. So when I heard that voice, I'd never heard that before. But after that, as I'm sitting in the waiting room, I knew then, oh, that was God. Mm. And so from that moment, I went, well, what, uh, if I'm being honest, well, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, you're ruining my life for what? What have I done? What, what, what are you trying to show me? And so... At every turn, I probably mentally roll that over in my head. What am I doing? What are you doing to me? How could this happen? And so when, as we went on, I just, I sought God in a different way. Mm. Um, at that point, I wasn't angry. I was confused. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, you don't have to guide me, but I really want to know what you're doing. Yeah. I really want to know what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. What What is this life you've handed me? And more so, every day I was like, what does this mean for my kids? You can't possibly mm-hmm. want them to live in this horror. Yeah. So I lived that, um, yeah, forever. And that's what brought me to where I am because I just, I sought him for information mm-hmm. more so than I sought him for information of this isn't the end. Mm-hmm. So tell me where we're going. Yeah. 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 So prior to Darius, you know, going into a coma, you, you know, had been raised as a Christian, but it wasn't really like Jesus wasn't really a part of your life. And then sitting in that room that day and you felt like you heard a voice say, he's going to stop breathing you feel like that was God. And from that point on, you kind of slowly had like a spiritual. Yeah. Forever changed my life. Wow. I say a lot that that moment was different for Darius than it was for me, but, and this will be hard for people to hear and possibly understand. Mm -hmm. And this is the only part I get weepy about every Mm -hmm. time. But um, I say, God, wrote our story. Mm. He knows our life. So he was purposeful in me meeting him Mm -hmm. to change my life forever, (sighs) to save my life. I'm not a bad person. I wasn't living a bad person life, but I, I might as well have been. I, I asked myself a question. I don't anymore, but I used to ask myself a question a lot. And I said it to all of my friends when Darius passed. I looked at all of them and I said, hey, listen. I don't know if living a life with no Jesus gets us to heaven. So we got to figure that out. Yeah. Because um, what if we don't? Mm -hmm. You know, we all have been taught that we want to end up with Jesus. Well, newsflash, we can't spend all of our time down here without him and then expect him to just open his arms to us at the end when we've done all that we want to do. No purpose for him and what he's already marked out Mm -hmm. in my life. And so that's why I say I sought him for information. Mm -hmm is because I was like, well, you have a plan. Yeah. What is it? Tell me, I'll do whatever. And in the beginning, rightfully so, I I, I did it for, I begged God to wake him up. Yeah, of course. And I didn't tell anyone about the affairs or all the other things I found out about him because what, what, what good is that information mm. for you? Wow. You're just going to give me advice based on what you should do. Yeah. And God has led me to this moment. I need to know what he wants me to do. Wow. Because if I let you tell me, one of the first things I did 
after I came out of the fog of the two weeks is I disconnected my cell phone Mm. and everybody had to call my mother. You know, you can put your cell phone on holiday or whatever. Yeah. And I told my mom, I said, I got to do that because see, listen, everybody will tell me what they think I should do. Not even knowing about the affair part, just about how to take care of him. And I'm so young and I have these kids and totally. Um, every, you know, and, and then people will tell you stories of, oh, well, you know, Bob's wife was in a coma and three months later she woke up and, yeah. And again, you told me he's going to stop breathing. So yeah, you know, more than anybody, I can't listen to anybody. Wow. I gotta listen to you. I gotta fully seek you. I gotta I gotta dive in deep because my life is forever changed. Wow. That I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. So you find this out about the affairs, you decide not to tell anybody. So you didn't tell your mom, like you didn't tell your friend, like you're like, this is I'm gonna hold this. Yeah. And I held it. I, I told everyone um, at the end. So we go, we go home December 5th. Mm-hmm. You just, so you um, decided to take him home and care for him at home. Yeah. Also just a personal decision between me and God. Yeah. I decided that because I had already been doing the home hospital. Totally. So the advisement from doctors was hospice. Mm -hmm. And I knew I couldn't do that. Mm. That's the same as the hospital. Right. Right. So I said, make a plan for home. We're going home. Wow. And, um, and so they did, we made a plan for home. We went home, uh, on 16 medicines. Um, we went home on a feeding tube. We went home with a trach. We went home with a hospital bed. And um, yeah. When did you it, have the baby? The next day. The day after you brought him home, you. So we got home December 5th and, um, and, we, I make it apparent to everyone that we got to have everything done before the kids come home from school. Right. And so it's total chaos. And, um, I, there's a guest room on the main and I say to my mom, I want him in the master. And that turned out to be a mess because the stairs kind of curved. And so the paramedics guy was like, listen, I'll do it. But if anything ever happens, yeah, 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 they are gonna have a hard time getting him out of here. So we go through all that. And after that, every decision is like rocking my world. And so after that, I say to my mom, I'm gonna lay down, I don't feel good. So I go up to the master and I lay down, and then I get up and I say, Hey, I think I'm in labor. To which my mom is like, yeah. Of course okay. you are. Yeah. yeah. This story is nuts. Yeah. 
Yeah, my mom is like, oh, okay, because, you know, we don't have anything else going right, on. Right, right. Oh, my and, um, And so we do. We go. We go and um, to the hospital. And it looks like I am, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my doctor says, I, um, I think we should send you home. Oh. Because it doesn't, it looks like it's going to be forever. Oh, okay. And, and so I look at her crying and I said, there's no way. Yeah. You've, you've got to, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can't be in premature labor forever. You've got to do something. And she cries and she says, uh, no, I ask her if she will give me an hour. Mm -hmm. And I look at my mom and I said, let's pray Mm. because I can't do it. Mom. Mm. I said, I just, Mm. this baby has got to come. That's just going to be one more thing. Yeah. In my mind, I knew everyone's going to go home. Yeah. Right. And then you'll be alone. And then everybody's going to come back and it just was a mess. And so my mother and I prayed and I cried and she came back in an hour and she said, all right, I'm going to check you. And she did. And she said, well, let's go. Mm. And, and so we went. Um, and so then he came December 6th at like 6am. Oh my goodness. How was that? I mean, I can't even imagine how you must've been feeling. Like you're birthing your baby, you and Darius's son, he's at home in a coma. You know about the affairs, but you haven't told anyone. So I can't even imagine like how you were possibly emotionally processing that. Um, at that point, I'm not. Yeah. I, 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 when I, I decided to put it down, so it's down. It has no room to come up. Right. It is no, it is no place in my mind. We're on 16 medicines all of which are given by IV. Some have to be pushed over time, which means I'm literally standing there pushing the medicine through a syringe into the IV at a slow pace. Um, Some of them have to be given over five minutes, some over 10. And we like, I have time. Yeah. I got to remember to push saline after I do the medicine. And before I got to remember to do the food at this rate. I got to remember to teach my kid multiplication. I, I don't have time <laughs> to let that come up. Yeah. And I got to remember, what the hell are you doing, God? Yeah. Like, I got to keep asking that question. So uh, the affairs came up in my mind uh, probably every other week, just out of a, like, if I'm having a stressful moment. Yeah. Oh, and I got to remember to turn him every two hours and he's peeing like a regular person because he is. Right. And he's pooping like a regular person because he is. So I got to clean that up. <sighs> There's no diaper. It, no. So <sighs> no, 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 It I, I didn't, that didn't, if I'm major stressed, then I remember. But I'm remembering then because I'm like, what the hell is this life? Right. What is this life? How long is this going to be my life? 
But normally, no, it doesn't come up. So I have the baby and then I sleep for 48 hours. I don't even remember waking up. And they were gracious and did not wake me up. Thank God. So I didn't breastfeed Brayden because I didn't see him for 48 hours. I literally had him and I slept. I'm sure your body was just like enough is enough. Here. And they all knew my story. And so yeah. um, they let me sleep. Wow. And they are so nice. I'll never forget. My nurse said, um, are you okay to go home? Because we've tried to think of every single thing we could to keep you here, Aww. but we, we got nothing. And um, and so I did. So you go home, you have a newborn, you have two older kids, and you have a husband that you're caring for at home who's in a coma. And it's not, like, I think maybe like movies have maybe taught us like, oh, like someone who's in a coma, like they just lay there. But it's like, yeah, he's laying there. But like you just said, meds, turning him, bathroom. Like this is like a huge undertaking to have somebody in your home that needs that kind of care. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's so much. And so, yeah, I think that's the idea is that coma is, you know, they're laying there and you, you know, brush their hair right. or whatever. But I mean, I'm literally cutting his hair cause it's growing. And so yeah. I order clippers on Amazon to cut his hair. And, um, I do uh, my mom and his mom do everything they can. They did exactly what I wanted with that room. So we have the hospital bed in the room. We have a twin bed and we have a bassinet mm. and um, we have all the medical supplies in the dresser mm. and we have a TV on the wall and we put the tin, whatever it's called, oxygen mm-hmm. concentrator in the closet. And uh, we put egg crates all around the closet so that you don't hear it. Like, I, I, Wow. At that point, I wanted everything to be as normal as possible for the bigs because um, I didn't want them to be scared. And I knew that we would all spend a lot of time in that room because, um, you know, he anything could happen. And so did you think he was going to wake up? Like, did you think like one day I'm going to look over and he's going to wake up? Yeah. And like he's going to be normal and like we're going to pick up where we left off. Yeah, I don't know if I thought we'd pick up where we left off because, I mean, he did have four feet. <laughs> True, but, yeah, yeah. But I did think that I would look and um, I did. I, I thought he would wake up. Listen, I prayed that every day. I prayed every day that he would wake up. And um, on month eight, from September 27th, count out eight months. And on month eight, um, I literally prayed that every day. And um, I crawled into the bed beside him. And I said, Hey, listen, I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to ask God to kill us both. Oh, that's what I need at this point. He can just take us silently. You close your eyes and you go to sleep and I'm going to go to sleep. And that's what I need. I can't do this another day. I have not slept in 36 hours. You've had a rough couple of days. It's been really tough. Um, and at that point, um, I have a conversation with him about the affairs and tell him what I know. And, okay, um, yeah. and I just say, so, I mean, I think it's over for both of us and maybe that was God's plan. So I prayed the salvation prayer and I cry myself to sleep. Mm. And then I wake up, 
hear I hear the baby. Mm. And so I wake up and now I'm mad. Of course. Because you didn't take me, God. I asked you nicely. And um, now I have this baby here and now I got to take care of the baby. And so um, I get up and I walk over to the bassinet and he just smiles, the biggest smile ever. Mm. And just kind of laughs a little bit and just looks at me. And then for the second time, I heard God say, and that's why I didn't take you. Mm. And so I said, well, here we go. And so I just kept going and, um, and I kept doing, and I asked God, um, every day to wake him up. And I said, it would be such a miracle. So many people know our story and um, we live in this community and, um, so many things. And, and um, for the third time, God says, no, he's not the miracle. You're the miracle. And I was like, mm, that seems weird because I don't really feel like I'm a miracle. But So I just kept going and I kept praying it. And then God told me he was not going to wake up. Mm. Um, and he said, he's not going to wake up. And so um, I said to God, I don't want to take this into my new year. Mm. I don't want to live like this forever. And so you've already told me that he's not going to wake up. Mm. So I would like to put him in hospice and I would like to begin to work on healing me and living for me and all of that. Yeah. And so I made another move where I told no one and I put him in hospice. Wow. I called all the equipment people and I found a hospice and, um, and I did. Mm. And um, I drove him there myself because at this point we're almost out of money Um, and ambulance transport for non-emergency is $500. We didn't have it Um, because at this point, like we are, that's a whole nother layer. We are literally almost out of money. I've sold, um, I've sold every car. I've sold everything. Um, And um, so I put him in the car and these people that are in this house getting all the stuff are watching me. And um, most of them are women and two guys and they're all crying mm-hmm. watching me. Um, and I, you know, and so I do, I put him in the car and I take him to hospice. And when I took him to hospice, um, I told everyone about everything. Okay. Everyone got a letter. Oh, everyone meaning like your family, his family. My mom, his mom, his sister. Okay. Um, yeah, they got a letter and the letter told them everything about the affairs, about how I felt and um, where he was now. Wow. And, um, and he went there and then um, in June he died. What was their reaction when they got the letter? Um, everybody was mad and hurt in a different way. Mm. And so my mother was extremely hurt that I carried that, um, for all that time and did not Mm. tell her, um, she, I'm an only child. My mother and I are very close. Mm -hmm. And so she was very hurt by that. Mm. Um, his sister was extremely, um, mad and hurt and thought, I can't believe you didn't pull the plug when, you had the opportunity. Wow. 
And his mother was mad and hurt because she believed that I should have just kept going. Like not put him in hospice. (sighs) So everybody had their own emotions, which... Which is fun for you to then have to deal with all that. Well, it's why I did what I did. Yeah. All of that I would have had to deal with two weeks in. Yeah, totally. All of that I would have had to deal with at any point that I decided to tell. And yeah, listen, I'm my own ish happening. So totally. No. So um, that's why I did it the way that I did it. Wow. So then when he passed, what exactly, like, did he just stop breathing or like what exactly happened? Uh, So I don't know. Okay. Um, I wasn't there. Okay. Um, when I left him at hospice, that was it for me. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, and some people listening to this may think that they may think like his mother that I'm a horrible person. No. Um, but when I left at hospice, that was it. Okay. Call me for emergencies only. Um, we had already done a do not resuscitate. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it for me. I was essentially done. Yeah. And so then when they called you and said that he passed, how? Yeah. So his nurse, um, and I did check on him every night, Okay, but at night, mm-hmm. I, just at night, I would just call, talk to the nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that morning she called and she said, Hey, I just want to let you know, he did not wake up. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay. And she said, we have every instruction that you have here. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we'll start the process. And I said, okay. Yeah. How did you feel like, what did you feel relieved that it was over? Um, yes and no. I felt like, I, I think I'll be honest in the instant feeling was, did I do that right? Mm. Sure. I, yeah. It's over. Yes. So did I do that right? Right. That's initially what I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. I felt that way for years. I mean, it took me a minute. Yeah. Um, I tell people all the time, one of the things I'll never forget is um, I used to go to the grocery store and I knew the grocery store by the map. Like I knew where everything was mm-hmm. and um, and I could get groceries for three weeks mm-hmm. in less than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like. I flew through there. And um, once I was doing that and my oldest right in front of frozen foods, getting a bag of corn, frozen corn, um, he says, he died. Mm. Remember, he died. You're going so fast. You're yelling at us and he's gone. We don't have to rush anymore. Mm. And then I just cried right in the freezer. Like I didn't turn and look at him. I just cried right in the freezer because he was right. How long was he in a coma total? Uh, So September 27th to June 14th. So you had lived all that time. A year, year, almost a year. I always say a year, nine months. So, yeah. So it's like you had lived all that time in a constant state of panic, basically, just like constantly like rushing, like calling, checking, being with him, turning him med, like you could never take your time at anything. Yeah. Now I left once. Um, my mom came 
I think uh, my little guy was six months and she came and she said, I want you to go visit Nikki. who's my best friend. Mm -hmm. She at that time lived in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And so she said, I want you to go there Mm -hmm. um, for a weekend. And my mom and my aunt came and I did. Um, I left and um, my best friend is the best friend ever. I slept the entire weekend. I'd wake up and she'd have food right there. I would eat it Mm -hmm. and go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. I'd wake up and she'd have something to drink or a magazine and I'd read a little bit and go back to sleep. And I did that, um, uh, you know, until I left on Sunday, I arrived Friday morning and I left Sunday morning and that's what I did. And that's what she did for me. And I took the baby of course, mm-hmm. cause I thought, <laughs> no mom, you think you can do right, this, right, but right. you can't. And, um, and so she took care of the baby mm-hmm. the entire time, her and her husband. And that's what I did. Wow. And that was the only time I left the whole time. So after he passed, I mean, what was your healing process like? How did you possibly sift through all of that? Because the the layers upon layers upon layers of this story, I mean. Yeah, I think I, um, you know, I, I, I maintain and I tell you, I sought God for information. And so... Um, my relationship with Christ became different mm-hmm. and I, um, I read the Bible for information. So my healing started while I was walking through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but afterwards, I think that what helped me the most, um, was that I didn't wait to start the healing. I started it right then. Like I saw him in the middle of the trauma. Like, what are you doing? What is happening? Um, And I think the other part of my healing um, happens when I help other women, Mm -hmm. um, when I coach women, Mm believes that their past can define them um, because it doesn't have to. And so, you know, but yeah, I think one of the things I say that people know is I say, walk me through that. And that comes from me going, at some point you got to go, wait, let me walk through what is happening. And so he's in a coma and there's a lot happening with him, but there's also a lot happening with me and the, um, the quiet time that I have, um, had every day just really helped me. Um, and I think a big part of my healing is not denying any of the factors, Mm. not overlooking how any of them are tearing me up mm. inside, not, you know, just kind of dealing head on with all of the things that I did to attribute to where I was in that season of life. So like God really transformed you through this whole thing. Totally. Yeah. Earlier when I got all teary, it's because that was his plan. Yeah. His plan was to save me. Mm. That's, that's hard to digest 
And when he does it in such a fashion that, you know, takes me all the way to the bottom of the valley under the dirt, you know, it's just like, I, I think for me, instead of going, well, I must have been a bad person. I just go, well, you must really want me to do something. Mm. And so what do you want me to do? Wow. I just, I mean, I speak for everybody listening to this right now. Thank you <laughs> for sharing. And I, I'm in awe of you and I. Oh, it's him. It's incredible, really. And honestly, like you sharing your story, I think can speak to so many people. Tell us about where you are now. So tell me about your husband. Tell me about Sunday planning. So now I, um, yeah, I, now I coach women every day and people, and now, you know, I don't tell my story a lot, but when I do, the whole goal is, God, I want to help people. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go through the devastation of what I went through. I think, you know, I say good life, no Jesus, because we leave him. He doesn't ever leave us. Mm -hmm. And so I always want to help people in the everyday, in your mundane, do you see what he's doing? Mm -hmm. Do you see what he wants? Are you pointed to him at all? Are you with him at all? Because he's there. It's us who maneuvers and leaves. And, and so what, find out what he wants. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I want to do. That's what I help clients do for their business and their life. Our life is not at all for us. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's the hard part I think about. Um, that's what I think is hard about Christianity is it's not about, it's not for me, yeah. you know, the pain and the trauma is for someone else. Mm -hmm. So I just want to be, a helper. Mm -hmm. I want to be a hope dealer. I want to, I just, that's what I want to do. So that's what I do every day. And so on the professional side, I help people with their business to really determine who they are meant to help. Because I think that a lot of times in business, we think we're meant to help everyone. Why? Because we want all the money. Um, but you are really called to a certain person and yeah. you will get whatever you deserve if you maintaining for those people. But I also know that I can't help everyone. Um, everyone can't have a coach from an affordability standpoint or just the way their life is set up. And so um, that's the purpose of the membership SP circle mm -hmm. and um, in the products that I create and the classes that I do in there. Sunday planning was birthed um, from my first divorce I believed, I got married young, but I believed that like the June Cleaver life was possible. Like I just wanted to be a mom with kids and do all of that stuff. And so when we divorced, it just was so hard. I was just like, this is crap. And mm -hmm. I have these littles and how to, but I'm broken. Mm -hmm. So I don't even, this is going to sound horrible, but I thought, I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't want a parent because yeah. I want someone to love me and help me. And mm -hmm. so that's what Sunday planning was. It was 
what are the things I need to do to make my life easier throughout the week? Mm -hmm. And so I chose five things. So I would get my outfits ready to go, get their outfits ready to go. I would make all of the dry ingredients for their lunch that week. So we only had to do sandwiches the night before. I would look at my calendar to see how busy I'm going to be and what help I might need and tell them on Sunday. I would write a menu and grocery shop from there. So I, we would, I would know what every day we're going to eat. And, um, and that's what I would do. And so over the years, I've done it forever. And so over these years, I would tell people, this can really help you. This can really change your life if you do this. Um, just doing this stuff on Sunday um, really just helps you. So this year I created a planner for it because I'm a planner person. Mm-hmm. Like I love pens and paper and all of that. And um, and people did. They loved it. Well, I mean, a lot of people have been Sunday planning with me for years, mm-hmm. but um, the journals did really well. People loved it and was like, yes, this, you should do this. Mm-hmm. This does change your life. You know, not waiting until the day of to look at your schedule, like mm-hmm. not waiting. You tend to not run like a chicken with your head cut off. If you know that karate's on Tuesday and basketball's on Thursday and you can design help around those things. And you tend to eat more at home if you plan a menu and then grocery shop from that menu. And then in this day and age, we have it so easy because I just order the groceries online and pick them up. Um, some people get them delivered, but it's just about having that slight plan. And so Sunday planning is really, really good. And it's my way to show people like just this one little thing can really help you. Mm-hmm. And so I love it. And so I launched that in January and then in October, I created some notebooks and notepads um, and more journals and things like that. But still with Sunday planning as the goal. So you, I have the journal, which, you know, if you're a planner person, you'll love. And then I have just a notepad that has Sunday planning and the space for you to check off your five things and then lines to write. That's an ode to my boys because I've made them Sunday plan forever because it's like, I'm not getting your outfits out. Get your outfits. Yeah. Um, So they just do three things. They get their outfits, they make their dry ingredients for their lunches. And, um, and then one other thing that will help them, whatever that is. And usually I tell them it is to look at their schedule and see what tests I have this week, things like that. That's awesome. And so they of course did not want to journal. What? That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So they used to just write it on pieces of paper. And so now they have like a little notepad and I think they love it because it's like, Oh, she did this for the world, but really an ode to us. And so they love it. And then my mom is not a journal person. So I created this weekly calendar notepad and it has Monday through Friday on it and a little space for Sunday planning, a space for your menu, a space for your grocery list. That's the top seller because I think that fits every person. Totally. And so we sell a lot of those. Those are really good. Um, And on that calendar, I have another thing that I say all the time, which is seek joy. Mm. Because in the pandemic, um, Saturday didn't feel like Saturday, Mm -hmm. you know, because we didn't do anything. We can't go anywhere. And I know we're still in the pandemic. So I say a lot, seek joy on Saturday to make that day different for you. Mm. 
everybody's either working from home now. And so it seems like you never lose your, you never leave your house. And at once we were doing church online and some people still are. And so it's like, what could make Saturday different? Well, you got to be intentional about it. So let's seek joy on Saturday. So it says that on the calendar too. It's just, I love that. Those are my little ways to give back and hopefully people will come on board and I love that. try to live the best life they can. Where can we find all this stuff on your website? Yes. So all the products are on the spcircle.com and um, I'm, I love Instagram. So I'm at Retha Nicole and Nicole is with an H mm-hmm. on Instagram and the link is in my bio there. And then um, if you do show notes, you can give them the number. Yes. Uh, to text to um, be a part of SP Circle. So it starts off as a text community um, where I send you three texts a week. One is a coaching tip. One is to remind you to Sunday plan. And one is encouragement. Those are guaranteed. But then sometimes throughout the week, I may pray and send something, a prayer or something like that. And then once a month, I do a class, which is funny because it's actually today. At two o'clock, I'm doing a class um, for the members of SP Circle called Balance and Boundaries. Amazing. All right. So I'm going to put all this in the show notes. The spcircle.com, Reetha Nicole on Instagram, the number that people can text to join the text community. I love it. So many resources. I love resources. People will love that. Yeah, it's great. I love it. SP Circle to me is the way that I can help more people. Yeah. And so in the text community, once a month, I'll put up a Q&A for any of the members to ask me any questions that they have. And um, I tr- do a class to help them in any way I can. Yeah. Um, and then I do a lot on Instagram too, but yeah, the membership is really great. That's amazing. All right. All of that will be in the show notes, people. I love that. Um, before I let you go, tell me about your husband. Oh, so we met. Um, so after everything was over, one of my really good friends who was also a friend of his, um, asked me to work on this project with him. And he was like, you, you know, once again, you got to get out of the house. Like yeah. you, you're all, you are out of money. Like you are facing foreclosure. Like mm. you got to get out of the house. Um, and so work on this project with me. And I said, no, but then I did. And, um, we started working on this project with the city and then they brought in the financial guy and it was him. Mm. And so they brought him in and he was the financial guy. And so it's, it's always funny because I always say he was like so arrogant and I was like, oh, this guy's the worst. Uh. And so um, then on day two of working, of him coming onto the project, uh, they put us together mm. and um, had me work with him. And so I did. And um So one of the things that happens a lot in my life now and probably was all my life, but I just didn't know is I hear from God a lot now. Right. And so um, we were in this meeting and God was like, like, he's not doing good with me. Like we need a deeper relationship, like whatever. And so at lunch, we were just talking. And so he was asking me about me. And so I just said to him, hey, listen, God says you're like a C Christian and you need to bump your grade up. Like, what are you doing? And I love it. He tells people that all the time that I, I said Christian. <laughs> so uh, we started talking and dating, and then um, I told him my story, and and 
And I just was like, um, I think you're nice, but I'm really, I am always, always honest. I was like, I think I'm just broken. I don't know if I could do this thing again. Yeah. So we just kept talking and talking. And then he, um, he wasn't from here. I mean, he didn't live here. And so he moved here mm. and, um, and then we kept going and dating and that's it. I love it. Right. Retha. I mean, I- Honestly, like I could keep you here for another two hours with like the millions of follow up questions I have. But for real, like, thank you so much. I mean, your story is incredible. What God did in your life, in your heart, the strength that you showed. I mean, I'm sure people's minds are blown. I had heard most of your story before and my mind is blown. So it's like I I cannot thank you enough. Yeah, thank you. I You know, I thank you because to hear my story and then to want me to tell it for your people. It always means a lot to me because I don't want, I always pray like, so before your show, I said, Hey God, here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell it. So let somebody hear what you have them to hear. I'm yeah. a firm believer that I can say the words all day. And then he lets them hear something that will tie them closer to seeking him in the way that he desires. I think, you know, I, again, get teary on this part because that's the goal. Totally. The goal is, I mean, listen, I'd love it if you stop by my Instagram and stay there. And if you become a member of SV Circle and buy the products, I'd love it, Mm -hmm. right? It's how I fund my life. But listen, that's not the goal. Yeah. The goal for me is for you to hear the story and go, well, I don't want you to sit me all the way down in that fashion. I don't want you to rock my world like you rocked her world. So I'm going to begin to seek you now Mm. because that pain, I don't know if I can take it. I want you to do that. Mm -hmm. Or I want you to go, I'm at the bottom Mm. and this is hard. And so I want you to pick me up, God. I want you to help me. And he's going to do it Mm -hmm. because that's how good he is. I prayed every day for God to wake him up. Like I didn't miss a day. Yeah. I did not miss a day for eight months. I prayed that every day. And then I said, well, it doesn't look like you're going to do that. So I want out, you know? And so if you're at the bottom now, don't, this is going to sound horrible, but don't seek him the regular Christianese way. Like just get in there and be like, listen, God, this is for the birds. Mm-hmm. I am struggling. Here's how I'm struggling. Here's what I think I need. Open up. Tell me what I need. Tell me what you're going to do. I think people spend too much time praying to Christ like these formal prayers, like, like he doesn't know. Yeah. He knows. He wants to hear you say it in the way that you talk to your friend, the way that you talk to your spouse so that he can tell it in a way that you will get it. Amen. I love that. You're so like, God can handle it. I love that where it's just like, you're right. I think sometimes we do get caught up in like praying in a certain way and using certain words. And it's like, God already knows and he can handle it. we come to him like nothing's happening. Like we just, we get our blanket and light our candle and have our quiet time. Like nothing's happening. And I'm going to tell you, he's sitting there going, well, in a minute, you're going to wake up Mm -hmm. and you don't want to go all the way to the bottom. So I get really passionate about that because 
I, I, I want people to hear me when I say like, I mean it. You can follow me on Instagram. You're going to get the same stuff. Mm -hmm. You can buy all the products and I want to help you in that way. So join the text community. You'll get me. Nobody else texts you. It's not a bot. Mm -hmm. It's really me it's on my phone. But if you get nothing else out of this episode, seek him today. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much, Risa. For real. Like the wisdom. I love it. You're amazing. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions.